Hello, everybody. I'm Michael Oss of the Gazette, and this is our college basketball, Hawkeyes basketball webcast, podcast, broadcast. Nathan Ford's with me again. It's conference tournament week, which is a big darn deal in college basketball. I was watching a, a game last night between Mount St. Mary's and Bryant, and I don't think I'd have been watching that game in November, Nathan. I don't either. I was watching the same game, uh, although I will say Bryant's, uh, Bryant plays at a really fast pace, so that, that intrigues me. Maybe, maybe I'll have to tune into some of the, their games next year, but uh, yeah, I, that was the first time I'd seen them this year. <laughs> Well, I was up at one in the morning. This is this is like some people admitting that they've got a problem. I was up at one in the morning watching the end of Pepperdine and BYU. I think it was Monday night. Mm. And you knew the winner was going to get beat by Gonzaga the next night. Although BYU gave Gonzaga a great game. But I'm still watching it. And I'm not even sure why. Oh yeah, I look up every every single day. I'm looking up which you know random conference tournament games there are. It doesn't matter if it's a power conference or not because it just there's something about it. Then maybe something crazy could happen. You know, it's it's like technically any of those teams you win however many games you win the national championship. It's not going to happen, but you still oh. want to tune in and see something something fun. Last night, and we're recording this on Wednesday, last night, uh, one of those games made me feel good inside. Uh, a year ago, Iowa played in Philadelphia against Penn State, and they played at the Palestra. Not that many blocks away from the Palestra, which is on Penn's campus, is Drexel University. I took a train in from my hotel out by the airport to Philadelphia because I'd never spent any time in Philadelphia. I just wanted to go and see Philadelphia. And I'm walking around and I'm, I'm, it's darkness has set in and I'm getting ready to go back to the train station. And I'm walking by Drexel University, which just looked like, you know, to me, a commuter school. I don't know what Drexel's all about. And it, I'm always curious to see what the, the arenas look like. So I asked somebody in, um, I guess it was like a student union, where's the, where do you play basketball? And it was right across the street and you would never have known it. Uh, the most pedestrian of buildings. And I go inside and it's a game night. <laughs> Drexel's not only playing, they're playing their arch rival Delaware, the Blue Hens. And so I have to buy a ticket and watch the game. And I do, and had a great time. And then last night, Drexel wins their conference tournament as, I think, the number six seed. And they're going to the big tournament, and I'm so happy for them. <laughs> so, now, so now is it the big six in Philadelphia? I mean, what's the deal with that? It's a basketball, college basketball town. It, yeah. it, uh, when, when Drexel can't even crack the, the big five, but they can make the NCAA tournament, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but that's enough meandering. Let's talk about the Big Ten tournament in general and Iowa in specific. We're, we don't know who the Hawkeyes are going to play Friday night. They're going to be the last team in the tournament that tips off. We know it'll be either Wisconsin, Penn State, or Nebraska, and it won't be Nebraska. So that pretty much narrows it down. Uh, 
do you think it's going to be Wisconsin or Penn State? And, and how do you think Iowa fares? I guess I would lean toward Wisconsin, but, you know, I mean, you never know. It's not like Wisconsin's been anything special this year, and they, they did lose to Penn State earlier this season. But I, I have to think Wisconsin, you know, being a veteran team and, and still a pretty talented team is, is going to pull through in, in that game and, and get another shot against Iowa. Uh, if that happens, it looks like it would probably be another slog of a game, kind of like what we saw on Sunday. I mean, that's just, it's just kind of the style of basketball Wisconsin plays. I mean, we're, we're used to seeing it in, in games against Iowa. And uh, I, I hope we see that game because the tensions are, are there a little bit with Iowa and Wisconsin. And, you know, we've seen that with Illinois a little bit over the last couple of years, but I think, especially after they just played on Sunday, it was a game Wisconsin felt it should have won. And really for sort of their, not necessarily their resume, but just kind of their place in the, in the national conversation. It was a win they really could have used because they don't really have that, that signature win this year. And so they're going to be, they're really going to want another shot at Iowa. And so I think that would be an exciting game on Friday night. I don't know if I can bear to watch Wisconsin in person. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's Sunday. Banned, what if they banned replay for just that game? Would you be able to stand it? <laughs> I'll tell you what, if it's if it's the same officiating crew, uh it's it's, it's gonna start late enough as it is, but they'll be serving breakfast by the time that that's <laughs> over. You know, what's what's kind of uh, amazing is that it would that that game Sunday in Iowa City was 77 to 72. I mean, yeah, it was a slog, but Points were scored. Shots were made. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin. That's why, I mean. like, Wisconsin has some talented players. I mean, every that's why they're they were ranked so high to start the year. That's why, kind of, why they're still ranked, even though they've lost ten games. Is because it. I mean, they're they're like number eleven in on Kempom right now. I think. I mean, they're. It's, yeah, but but, uh, but it's because they every game they play is against a ranked team. Yeah, and then every game is pretty close against the ranked team. They just can't – at some point you got to win, and that's just – they really haven't done that. And um, I, that's why I think – I mean, obviously they want another shot at Iowa, but they have some talented pieces, and um, Iowa was, you know, fairly fortunate to win that, a, a game in which they lost their second-best player. Yeah, I'm not assuming Wisconsin beats Penn State just because Penn State's impressed me with how much spirit that – they've played with these last few weeks. Uh, they, they really want to get that interim head coach. The players do. They want him to get the head job, as I understand it, and they're playing like they want him to get it. Yeah, and uh, I know we're dismissing Nebraska, but they, they, they won a couple of games over, the, over this last stretch. I mean, I, I, I think they're, probably, they're not going to be in a position to win two games in a row in the Big Ten tournament, but that'll probably be a pretty spirited game between Penn State and Nebraska, too, and yeah, Penn State, they, they haven't laid down whatsoever this year. Like I said, they beat Wisconsin. They've, they, they fought really hard against Iowa. They just couldn't make anything. And so they that, could have won that game. Oh, yeah. They, they, Iowa let, you know, let them in that game. And they're, they're a talented team, too. So, that, yeah, it's definitely no sure thing it'll be Wisconsin. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't have been so quick to dismiss Nebraska just because in their last four games, the Iowa game was awful <laughs> for them. But the other three, they won two of them, and they and they turned around after Iowa went to Northwestern and lost by one point. So 
but but Nebraska winning two games in a row there is out of the question. Yeah, I mean they they took Illinois to overtime, but this is I mean they've played however many games here in the last month of the year. They they they've got to be there's mm-hmm. on tired legs at this point for sure. Something that interests me about the Wisconsin thing is is after that Iowa game when Greg Gard, the head coach, didn't really hold back in criticizing the officiating. And from what I'm, I've read from up there in Madison, the players really like that. And that in practice this week, there's been a sort of a renewed sense of camaraderie and enthusiasm and that maybe, you know, the players feel like this guy's fighting for us and all that jazz, you know, until that means nothing once a game starts. But, I mean, they need – they need to win. They need to beat Penn State. They, I mean, they're in the NCAA tournament, but they're going to get one of those seeds where they're going to get their head handed to them in the second round. Uh, so they might want to improve on that. For sure. And like I said before, it's an experienced team. They, they obviously, they're not going to be intimidated in a situation like this. And the, the, Great guard, Brad Davison situation, you know, I, I don't think it's, I want to go as far as to say it was like a calculated decision by Greg guard or anything after the game, because I, th- I think you, you could tell he was pretty passionate about it. He was emotional about it, standing up for his player, but you know, he's not going to come out. He's also not going to come out there and say, Oh yeah, we've got to do something about this Brad. You know, it's on us to fix Brad Davison, so he's not getting all these flagrant fouls, and we we need to get him to stop doing this stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. He's going to stand up for his player, and rightly so. But I mean, as confusing as and maybe weird as like this hook and hold rule is that's come into play in the last couple years, I you you, it's I don't think he's going to get any sympathy from people uh, around the Big Ten about standing up for a guy who has been in some high profile incidents over the last, over his career. Well, this is what I would look out for Friday night is when, especially if in the last minute, everybody knows who the winning team's going to be. I would keep Connor McCaffrey and Brad Davison far apart from each other. I think that's a good idea. They, they have a little bit of a history there for sure. Yeah. And uh, both of them, probably feel that the other one is always 100 percent in the wrong i think that's how it works yeah (laughs) um okay i'm curious um first of all i don't i don't know how to feel about this tournament if i'm iowa do i want to have a deep run and of course the competitor in in a in a player and a coach is of course you want to win every time you get out there you want to cut the nets on sunday afternoon you want it all but would it would a deep run in this tournament do anything for iowa's seed in the ncaa tournament and would it be a good thing for them from a physical standpoint uh those are two separate questions let's start with the Uh, would it be better for Iowa to win this tournament or would it be better for Iowa to 
make a quick adios and then um, be as healed up as possible for the big tournament? I think uh, it's a tough call just knowing where Joe Wieskamp is injury wise. And, you know, CJ Frederick has been back and playing pretty well, but even that to a point um, we've, we kind of, we've kind of known that maybe he's not going to be able to be a hundred percent back-to-back days necessarily. He's been, you know, he hasn't practiced fully at times uh, after this injury. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Um, But at the same time, they're just, you know, they're going to be in Indianapolis for this entire time period. They're, they're locked in there. I mean, that they're, it's, it's like, if they're not going to be playing, they're probably going to be practicing. And like you said, the competitor in them is going to want to play and they're going to want to win these games. I don't, I, so I don't necessarily think it would be a bad thing if they make a deep run. Um, the only, the only thing that would turn it into an issue is if there was some sort of injury problem. Um, I don't think they're going to try to rush Wieskamp back for the big 10 tournament. They're keeping the bigger picture in mind. there. not saying, I don't know whether he's going to play or not, but you know, it obviously sounded like not as serious an injury as it looked at the time, but that's obviously one thing to keep in mind, but I, I, I don't know. I think they're going to be competitive, but they're not going to obviously play guys that, they need to save for the for the NCAA tournament in the next week. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if Wieskamp plays Friday night. Um, sort of getting mixed signals on that. I know that McCaffrey's not going to play him unless he's just 100% sure that there's no problem there. Because, you know, this week is great and everything, but all people are going to remember is what comes after. Uh, with Frederick, I asked him this yesterday, are you okay going back-to-back days? And he said, absolutely, mm. which was – is he's pretty honest about that stuff. So, um, I mean, they were – you can't go anywhere in that tournament without one of those two guys. Mm. And, of course, I don't know how you you win three games in three days there without both of them, frankly, but – uh, you, you can't do anything to risk your NCAA tournament. You just can't. And so I'm curious to see if Joe Wieskamp is a Big Ten tournament guy this year or not. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, if there's even any hint of um, lingering issue with Wieskamp or soreness, I think you keep him out. Um, and, and next week is when you push through it because that's what really matters. And then, and then, you know, and something else is they play at 9 o'clock Eastern time Friday. If they win, uh, they would turn around and play Saturday afternoon. Now, it, that's one thing if you're healthy. But if you're not, that's tough, especially if you've got leg or feet issues. That I mean, that is just really tough. And it's not like you're playing Chicago State the next day either. Yeah. I mean, you're probably – you're most likely looking at Illinois. So, that yeah, that's not going to be an easy turnaround for anybody, but especially if you're you're feeling some soreness, extra soreness. It kind of goes to the question of what does this tournament really mean? The it, There are two kinds of conference tournaments in Division One. One where everything's on the line, and the other one when um, – let's be on TV for three or four or five days and make a bundle of money. 
the Big Ten tournament. Everybody knows the Big Ten teams that are going to the NCAA tournament, really, I think. I mean, is there a bubble team? I think Michigan State's probably the closest, but that one over Michigan probably solidified it. Uh, you know, I, I think they, they would like to make a run here, but I, I yeah, I, I don't think anybody is necessarily playing for their lives except for the teams that are definitely not in and would have to win the whole thing. And yeah. yeah, and they won't. I mean, Minnesota has got to win the thing. They probably have to win the thing to even for Richard Patino to have a hope of keeping his job. Uh, they're not going to do it. <laughs> you know, they're not going to win five games in five days against that competition. They haven't won a single game outside of their home arena this no. year. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Iowa in specific, all the bracketologists say Iowa's a two seed. Okay, I'll accept that. Can anything happen in Indy to change that for better or worse? I think if Iowa wins the whole thing, it's going to be a conversation because that that adds three quality wins most likely to their slate. Right now, I think right now they have they're seven and five in quad one, and Illinois is nine and five. That's probably where the conversation would come down to between Iowa and Illinois. If those two were to meet up in the semifinals, and Iowa was to win. Uh, you know, it's, I, it's hard to say they would win a convincing game against Illinois, but if Iowa was to win and get that regular season split and then be able to go in to the championship, and if you're Iowa, you're probably hoping, for proceeding purposes, you're probably hoping you get a chance to play Michigan, win that game and match what Illinois has on its resume with that, with that win over Michigan, then I think there's a conversation. And probably the, the the best way to do it would be for Illinois just to lose their, the, its first game and have Iowa win all three. And then you could really make a case mm-hmm. for Iowa moving into that one seed line. But Illinois is going to play a good team on Friday. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're probably going to play Rutgers or, yeah, Rutgers or Indiana. Yeah, <laughs> Indiana is just um, – they, they're, they're spiraling too. But that's going to be a, a pretty desperate team to get, you know – to get to win it all they're not going to but mm-hmm. yeah I mean I, I I think that uh those are unlikely scenarios but that would be I, I I think there is more of a chance for Iowa to get a one seed than people are I don't think Illinois is necessarily locked into that to that one line like people say but I, I think it's that's the most likely scenario and if the Hawkeyes lose Friday do they keep that too I think I think they do just because of the, the wins that they've amassed. Um, I mean, you look at some of the teams that are probably pushing for that, that are right on that kind of the three seed. Some of the teams have kind of fallen off, you know, like Villanova and Virginia. So I, I think Iowa is comfortable enough where they're, they're high enough on the two line where that they probably won't fall to the three unless maybe they lost to like Nebraska or, I don't think, I think Penn state wouldn't be that bad of a loss, but that it's possible, but I would say probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing is, if they were to play Penn state, that would be Penn state's third game in three days, which, yeah. but enough, but you can also look at it this way. They would be used to playing in that football stadium. Mm-hmm. And I think you're going to see every, I think everybody that plays in that thing that has its first game in there 
there could be some ugly scores with the combinations of Big Ten defenses and those shooting backgrounds. I think it's going to be a, a, a very strange conference tournament. Yeah, and you don't get – it's not like the Final Four when they have it in those big stadiums where you get a couple days to kind of practice in there and get used to it. It's it's going to be a little different situation here. That, that will be something interesting to follow, something that most of these players have not played in a stadium like that. So that will be a narrative to watch for sure. No, uh, Iowa hasn't played in a football stadium since, I believe, 2005. Basketball, that is. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, you, There's always somebody who's going to tell you, you know, yeah, they did last yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of which, the last time Iowa got to Saturday in the Big Ten tournament was 2006. That's 15 years to, to get to the semifinals. They won it that year. That is a lot. I mean, for, for a program that fancies itself on being, you know, an upper-class basketball program, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's unbelievable. And the conference expansion has made it made that path a little bit more difficult just because it's a deeper tournament. But to not have done that since 2006, I mean, that – and there's been some really good teams in there too. It's just – for some reason, they have never played well in the Big Ten tournament in, you know, kind of this modern era. I mentioned that 2006 team. They won three games in three days in Indy. Horner, Bruner, Haluska, really nice season. They go to Auburn Hills later that week, lose to Northwestern State, and that's what they're remembered for. And to me, that's what the Big Ten – tournament in a nutshell is yeah you can win the thing but it's you know you you flame out in the first round of the NCAA tournament and that's all anybody's going to remember absolutely now, and then this this will not happen to Iowa this year I am I guarantee it or you can have your money back from this webcast it's the this team's not going to lose to a number 15 seed in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Okay. But if Iowa doesn't get to a Sweet 16, let's say Iowa won the Big Ten tournament and then lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament, that Big Ten tournament loses a whole lot of luster. Yeah. And I mean, like you're saying, I, you mentioned that 2006 team and I think people, you know, remember that it was a big 10 tournament champion, but you know, I'm just thinking back and I think they played Ohio state in the championship game. Um, but I have vivid memories of the Northwestern state game. And that, 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 that is what people remember. And for a program that not only hasn't been to the big 10 tournament since 2006, but hasn't been to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament since the nineties. Right. I mean, that, that that that's something yeah that i mean that that is just as much of a even more of a memorable barrier for the program right now uh is not getting not making those deep runs in the ncaa tournament and everybody knew going into the year this would be the team that would have the best chance to to end that drought and so that is 
even more than most years, probably what that legacy is going to be. Well, the last time that we had an NCAA tournament two years ago, I remember it well. The championship game was Texas Tech and Virginia. Virginia won it. Okay. Does anybody remember what those two teams did in their conference tournaments that year? I didn't. I had to look it up. And uh, surprise, surprise, neither one was even in their conference's championship game. Did it matter? Zip. You know, they went, one of them won a national title. The other got to the title game and nobody spent the rest of that off season saying, oh, I wish we'd won that conference tournament. I remember that Virginia losing to, I think, Florida state in the ACC semifinals, because at the time that everybody was like, ah, this might be a good loss for Virginia because they, <laughs> they were in that, they had just been winning so much and, that, 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 I don't really buy into like the they needed a loss thing, but no. they clearly turned around and went on a nice little run. It, it didn't affect them at all. And that, yeah, that's what people are going to remember. What happens yeah. in the NCAs. Right. I mean, we talk about Iowa in 06 and that Northwestern State fiasco. Virginia won the ACC tournament three years ago. Then it loses to Maryland Baltimore County in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They didn't throw any parades for that ACC title. <laughs> no, uh, I think I think most people do remember that the Maryland Baltimore County Retrievers. Yeah. Um. How about this tournament? Who are you picking? The Big uh, Ten. I'm talking about. We'll worry about the rest <laughs> later. Well, the NCAA wrestling tournament, I've got Iowa. Uh, I think that's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> Next. I've calculated all the points. I've done the math, and I'm going to take Iowa there. How um, many points does Spencer Lee give them? <laughs> oh, my gosh. What's the maximum? <laughs> yeah, it's that plus one. Yeah. <laughs> Big Ten tournament. Uh, it, it, I, I hate picking the conference tournaments because that motivation factor that we've been talking about maybe plays a little bit of a role. I think the the Big Ten tournament in that case is a little interesting this year because all the teams are going to be in Indianapolis for however long. I mean, uh, maybe not Indiana and Purdue necessarily. I don't know what their plans are, but uh, it's it's you get into this one of these situations normally and you're just kind of like some of these teams that are already in the NCAA tournament are kind of like, eh, let's just move on. Not that they're trying to lose or anything, but the, that that little extra push on those some of those little plays that might not necessarily be there this year. I don't think that that comes in, into play as much. In terms of the teams that I see that really really want to win more than anything, I think Illinois is at the top of the list just because of the way that they feel like they were wronged. Not. I don't think necessarily that they were. There was a, a rule in place to determine the Big Ten champion by winning percentage. Mm -hmm. But the fact remains that Illinois beat Michigan handily and finished second, and they feel like they deserve a Big Ten championship. So here's a way to get a Big Ten championship by winning this tournament. They also feel a little bit wronged in the player of the year conversation. Uh, the Illinois Twitter account's been pumping out the IO love, as you would expect them to do. And he's going to want to show that he's just as good as Luca Garza in this situation. So I feel like Illinois is on the top of the list in terms of 
motivation to win this tournament. Michigan was would have been my pick undoubtedly a week or two ago, but they've been, you know, they've had a couple of losses here, sliding a little bit down back down to, to earth. I think I Purdue is a dangerous team, a young team that's going to feel like they have something to prove in this tournament. And they're getting better all the time, I think, now, a little bit at a time. Yeah, they really are. They're, they're, they're impressive. So I guess if I had to lean my – if I had to just fill out a bracket, I would put Illinois beating Purdue in the championship game. But I think there's any number of teams that would not surprise me to win that, and I was in that conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Illinois because I think they got the best team. Yeah, they're, they're good. Uh, they've got three really good guards. Io DeSunmu, obviously, is in All-America, but Trent Frazier, the senior, has been up and down the block, and, and he wins. And this freshman guard of theirs, Curbelo, or if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Curbelo, he's really good. I mean, uh, they have great ball movement on that team. Three guards who distribute and score. Uh, and then their big guy is as good as anybody, Coburn. I mean, I know Coburn's not the Big Ten player of the year. I know he's not going to win this award or that award. He's good, you know. I mean, he for what he does, he's a real – real presence and a winner and I mean they lost the sumo for three games and won all three right yeah I think so yeah to me that's that that as much as anything won guards at the award because if if you'd had Iowa in any given three game stretch without Garza you're in trouble mm-hmm. Illinois loses their first team all big 10 player and they win all three and especially uh, to have at Michigan and and one yeah. of those yeah, yeah. So, but uh, for motivated teams, Ohio State's going to want to go four for four and pull itself out of its losing streak and show people it really was one of the top four teams in the country like it was in the rankings for a while. Uh, Purdue, fairly close to its backyard. A team getting better all the time with a freshman group that uh, instead of wearing down, seemed to be growing up and I love Travion Williams game. I mean, I just think he is, he's terrific, a terrific college player. Uh, so I can see them, you know, Michigan state is, is as full intention of, of um, adding to its recent run Rutgers. It, I mean, there are a lot of teams that are going to be fun to watch in this thing. Uh, I mean, to me, Thursday is, has often been, kind of a dull day at that tournament. I think this year, Thursday is going to be a fun day to watch. Perhaps each of the games is going to be entertained. Yeah, you got Michigan State, Maryland kicking it off, and those are two teams that feel plenty capable of winning a couple games in the NCAA tournament, and that's an 8-9 game and a chance to get a shot at Michigan. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier that these power conference tournaments are all about getting a lot of games on TV and in this case, that that is welcome this year with the Big Ten because these are going to be really high-level games and fun to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm trying to think if I got anything else. Do we want to talk about the retired numbers thing? Do you have strong feelings about that? I don't have strong feelings necessarily, but I think it's some. I think it's interesting and something I'd like to hear what what your thoughts uh, about it are. Yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, I can make it short and sweet. Iowa doesn't have criteria for retiring numbers. I don't care what they said yesterday. They obviously don't. There are two consensus All-Americas of the past who didn't get their numbers retired. There are players who did get their numbers retired who weren't consensus All-Americas. It's a dog and pony show. And I don't know why they, now they say that they're gonna have a clear cut uh, criteria developed, and I can read that to you if you'll bear with me. Do it. Yeah, let me find that. Okay. Me- okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's this. It won't take long. Iowa Athletics, and con- this is from Steve Rowe, the sports information director at Iowa, sent this today to uh, J.R. Ogden, the Gazette sports editor. Iowa Athletics, in conjunction with the Iowa Varsity Club, They've had different criteria over the years involving accomplishments, All-America recognition, individual awards, et cetera. Gary Barta and Iowa administration have been working towards a set of criteria that is more streamlined in which exact awards and recognition are included. The two top priorities are individual national player of the year recognition and consensus All-America recognition. Uh, Gary and Iowa administration will continue to work towards a more direct line of criteria that will be used moving forward. You know, uh, you know, gobbledygook. Uh, I mean, this was not, I almost wonder if Iowa aired by addressing this itself yesterday. Devin Marble had his one tweet say Monday night. And I think it might have blown over. Should it have blown over is another question. But here comes Barta on the Zoom yesterday with reporters, and it becomes a story that everybody had their ears perked up about. And it's just it just seems like one more in a long list of things that Iowa botches when it comes to damage control. Uh The reason that Roy Marble's number isn't retired is because Roy Marble had a series of off-field incidents during and after his playing career. And Iowa didn't want to be criticized for giving that permanent honor uh, when those things were a matter of public record. And Iowa will never admit that. But that's what it is. Do you think they should just say that? I mean, I, I get they don't necessarily want to bring that into the focus. They won't. Of, hey, it doesn't matter if they should or not. Yeah. They'll never do that. Yeah. And I, I, I understand why Devin Marble and his family would be upset because that, that is the reason that his number isn't retired. But the, but the fact is that criteria – or any criteria isn't stated publicly. And then while decisions like that look like sort of this process and this debate that happens and, you know, this very high bar to reach that maybe multiple people have a say in. And then this isn't about Luca Garza, but the fact that they 
just announced it after the last game of the regular season. His career isn't even over yet. It was an obvious decision to everybody, but you can see why Marvel's family would say, <laughs> if this is so easy and obvious, but yet this is this debate has been happening for years with Roy, the the at times awkward jersey ceremony they had a few years ago at Carver. Nice, absolutely fantastic ovation from the fans, but was definitely a little odd just with the, that whole presentation from uh, Iowa Athletics. It, Mar Devin Marble absolutely has a right to be upset about that. And I, I think you make a good point about whether Iowa was wrong to even bring to even bring it up itself here um, the day after that tweet, because now you've got people, Iowa fans, so-called Iowa fans, I should say, attacking Devin on social media, trying to smear Roy and not just his, his character, but his career, his basketball career. And you're bringing a, an unnecessary debate about bringing Luca Garza into that, into that <laughs> conversation that was just, just didn't need to happen. And now it is. And it probably, like you said, it probably would have went away in a couple of days because this really good Iowa basketball team is going to be on the court again. But instead yesterday, the topic of conversation was this Jersey retirement thing, which I think is just a convoluted thing in its own right. Every team, every organization, high school, college pro has all these different criteria about what they do and what's a retired number. What's an honored number, what jerseys are hanging in the rafter. It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And it's, it only happens in certain sports. You're not going to retire Spencer Lee's jersey. He doesn't have a number. So it's, it's, it's I don't enjoy this storyline whatsoever. And well, it's annoying, but it's, it is what it is. It's, it's Iowa athletics in a nutshell, really. I mean, it's, it's taking a situation and making it worse. Um. I know that when I go somewhere in a pro arena or a college arena, I want to see names hmm. from the rafters. If, and then it gets you to thinking about who were those people or, you know, the numbers I don't care about. Uh, but have names up there for meaningful reasons. Uh, when, you know, can you, to me, it's like the Hall of Fame. Can you tell the story of that sport without mentioning that person. Well, you can't tell the story of Iowa basketball without mentioning Ronnie Lester. You can't tell the story of Iowa basketball without mentioning Luca Garza. And I and you can't tell the story of Iowa basketball without mentioning the top player from that 1987 team who in 1988-1989 uh, did even bigger things individually. And there's got to be a place for Roy Marble uh, without, you know, having to say, yeah, but, you know, mm -hmm. look, he played there. You let him play there through the end of his senior season. Are you running from him? And what's that say about you rather than him? Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, his name is all over the record book. 
every fan that attends a game there knows his name and most people have fond memories of watching him play. He's a part of the, the Iowa men's basketball history and a huge part of it. And that, that should be acknowledged. It, the retired numbers thing, I, you can almost make the argument that leaving the number in circulation is even more of an honor because every time you saw 55, you think, Oh yeah. Garza, remember when Garza wore 55. Remember all the great players who wore 23 and, but that obviously I see it the other way too. You want to preserve that as Garza being the last player to wear 55, but to just not, to not have a very thought out and clear process for any of that is a mistake. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the thing with Garza and then you said it, a few moments ago, and I, I, I tweeted it immediately. Of course you do it for him. If you're not going to do it for him, you don't do it for anybody ever in the history of Iowa basketball. Yep. The all-time leading scorer, the two-time Big Ten Player of the Year. Iowa's never even had a, a one-time Big Ten Player of the Year before him. They started this in the mid-'80s. Um, he's going to be the National Player of the Year in all likelihood, the, the Wooden Award and the Naismith Award. This is uncharted territory for Iowa. There's just no two ways about it. Garza gets it. But did you have to do it when you did it? Mm-hmm. To me, it was la- it's let's latch on to a feel-good story and make everybody feel good about us. Um, I don't know. It's like, uh, let it marinate. Let it marinate for six months, a year, two or three years, and then say, okay, this day, three months from now, six months from now, we're bringing him back and we're going to do it up big, you know? Um, That's just my opinion. I mean, I know it made a lot of people feel good to get that news, and obviously Luca himself was was, – extremely emotional about it. And so he got to have that moment on the court and it was a genuine moment for him. So I, so I don't, you know, I don't begrudge him getting that moment. I'm glad he got it, but uh, it just seems like sometimes, and this isn't just an Iowa thing, but everybody wants the real quick feel good moment. Uh, And I don't know. Um, some things can wait. I mean, the Hall of Fame in uh, uh, rock and roll is what? It's got to be 25 years after you debuted. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go to that extreme for sports, but, 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 but you know, after somebody has a, a platinum record, they don't automatically go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's, uh, and it, it's one of those things where they, they like you said, I, I'm glad Luca got that moment because it clearly meant a lot to him, but it was – clearly just some, you know it was something where they knew that if they could that they could produce a moment like that and give and get content that you know without fans in the stands people are going to be able to see all these videos and pictures from that moment online and that's going to be a story for them and it was a good idea they just didn't consider the potential ramifications of it and here's something if they had lost that game Sunday, that moment was not going to occur. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard that. Iowa hasn't said that, but I have heard that, and I, 
I 100% believe it. And, and, and understandably, because it would have been so hollow and bittersweet. It would have been Tom Green cutting down the nets after the Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if, if it's the kind of thing that you could only do after a win, I don't know. I don't know. I'm happy for Luca and 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 I'm happy for myself and happy for the Gazette that that we got to cover the story uh, of his career here because uh, it has been uh, just one of those one of those rare rare stories that is it's fun to write about it gives people a lot of joy to read about and um, you know I I don't like hopping on the the trite bandwagon, but he really is a good guy. I mean, he just is. He treats everybody so well, and he's well-spoken, and I've never seen him have a bad moment before, during, or after a game. A moment where you said, geez, Luca, you could have handled that better. So, so I, I think that even though he's from the Washington, D.C. area, had never been to Iowa in his life before he came here, I think that Iowa fans relate to him as strongly as if he, you know, grew up just down the street. And it's been said a million times, but it's this, these few years here with Gustafson, Garza, and Lee, just it's, it's hard to fathom. And yeah. it, they're all – like you just said, all excellent people. They don't make it. They don't make any wrong moves on or off the, the floor. And it's been a joy for a lot of people to watch. None of those people from Iowa, but really hold a, a special place in a lot of Iowans hearts for sure. And then you've got Iowans just getting it going. Caitlin Clark on the women's yeah. team was just absolutely it's just absurd what she's done. And while he doesn't compare numbers wise, the way that Keegan Murray has played in his freshman year has been, I mean, he has wrapped himself around the hearts of Iowa fans because of the way he plays. And, you know, it, his ceiling looks to be, you know, 17 stories high. Yep. And I, I think, uh, it, I don't think it's uh it's too, too ridiculous a prediction to to say we'll be having the jersey retirement conversation or story about caitlin clark in a few years because it's unreal what yeah. she's doing i know uh, i i haven't been able to cover any women's games this year there's very limited media at these things as well and so it's generally one per outlet but uh, i really look forward to next year to getting back and and being able to see her in person I mean, I, I don't say that about very many athletes in any sport, but uh, this is one I want to see in person. I, and I just hope that I was able to build a, a strong team the next couple of years around her. I, 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 if I had to predict, I would say they, they will be in, on a similar trajectory as they were during Gustafson's career, because I really do think that Caitlin Clark is going to be sports-wise sort of a national sensation um, because – that the types of highlights that she has are the types of highlights that we saw from players like Sabrina Ionescu the last couple of years that 
really reach a wide sports audience, right. not just women's basketball or basketball in general. So that, that'll be really exciting to follow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be, I mean, she's going to be box office mm-hmm. and that will transform Iowa's program in my opinion, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a good uh, television draw. Okay. Uh, we've got a big 10 tournament to get to. And then next week you and I'll have an NCAA tournament to try and uh, digest. Enjoy your time in Indianapolis. You yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I feel like uh, if Iowa's men's team does enough winning there that I'll be qualified to be a tour guide of Indianapolis <laughs> by the end of March. How many steak and shakes are you going to get to? Probably only nine or ten. <laughs> That's still pretty good. <laughs> okay, Nathan, thanks. Thank you. And thanks to everybody for watching and listening. And uh, enjoy your March Madness this weekend.